We um, have been doing a series called Simply Jesus. It's kind of coincided with Lent, and we're going towards um, Easter, which is, is coming soon. And we just wanted to look plain and simple at Jesus, who he is, what he taught, what he did, and just simply look at Jesus and encounter him. And uh, this morning, um, I have been asked to look at justice. And uh, I immediately, when I thought about it, I thought justice is about putting things right. God, Jesus came to bring justice. The Old Testament talks about justice. The New Testament, Jesus talks a lot about justice. And um, I had these two um, uh, passages to kind of bounce on from. And I'm just going to read them to you very quickly. One is Micah 6 verse 8. And it says, He has shown you, O mortal one, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And then in Matthew 25, Jesus is talking, and he says... Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. Uh, the King, sorry, let me say this again. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, <laughs> the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited my in, me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And this idea of justice, of putting things right, is what the kingdom of God is all about. And as I thought about it, I thought about people, as I often do. And uh, I, uh, I, I know someone who lives in India, who moved over there, gave up everything that she was doing in the UK because God stirred her heart for justice in a faraway place and she went and I contacted her this week and she said yeah sure I'll, I'll talk to you on Zoom and so we recorded a little bit and really I'm not going to say anything more because really this is Mary and what she has to say really speaks for itself and I just want to encourage you to watch this and just be think, just be asking the Lord to help you to just hear what he would say to you in what she says. So, is it good to go? Wonderful. Justice is a really passionate topic for me. It's not really a topic. It is kind of like the essence of how I live out here in India. And as somebody who loves Jesus, when you pick up the Bible, right from the very start to the very end in the Old Testament, and then Jesus came in the New Testament, um, justice is absolutely found in the entire story. And for me, if you said, what is justice? How would you sum it up? I would say um, it's when you make things right. God created the world. It was beautiful. And then it kind of all fell apart. And when we talk, especially in the vineyard, we talk about the kingdom coming in and we pray for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And, and that means of we want to put things right where it's gone wrong. God didn't intend people to be suffering. 
God didn't intend this little boy because he has a disability to be intentionally starved and thrown out. And the authorities took no notice. So we had to step into the picture to make things right. And that is what it means to see the kingdom come in. And you know what? The funny thing about Jesus is he entrusted that to you and I. He entrusted it to simple human beings, nobody exceptional. We have an extraordinary God who uses very ordinary people. I actually um, have a tattoo on my foot. My mom didn't like that part, but it's for, um, my favorite verse, Micah 6, verse 8. Um, he has shown you, O mortal, we're very mortal humans, what is good. And what does the Lord require from you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? And I love that. If I've, um, I am a mom to eight kids, and, um, you know, there's a lot of grammar now. And, but back in the UK, I'm an Indian, this whole new grammar comes into the curriculum. And uh, my grammar is not very good. We weren't taught it at school. But I just say, act justly. Act is a doing word. You can call it a verb. You can call it what you want. But it's a doing word. You know, we, we have to do something if we're going to act justly. Um, it's taking action. It's not being passive, watching on. It's not just feeling pity because feeling pity doesn't change the situation. Um, it's not just feeling upset um, or being angry on social media. Sometimes you could speak up on social media, but if that's where it ends, it doesn't actually usher in the kingdom. So for me, wherever I go, wherever you live in the world, you want to see the kingdom come in. And for me, that's justice. That is what God loves. He wants this world healed up, this side of heaven and then when we're in heaven. One of my, apart from Micah, my favorite part of the Bible is Isaiah. And if it's okay, I'm going to read some parts of Isaiah because it talks about justice and it tells us what justice looks like. And I think that's really helpful. So if I go right back, Jesse, you're doing great. He loves listening to mommy talk, don't you? So Jesse, by the way, Jesse is blind, but he hears everything. He's such a beautiful little boy. Yeah, you're talking. So, um, so back in Isaiah 1, um, in verse 17, it says, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. So it starts off in Isaiah talking about what that justice looks like and it spells it out and then we carry on. So if I go to... Um, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to give good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. They're all around us. They're all around us. They're in our midst, in our churches. Proclaim freedom for captives. So many areas where people are captive to different things in, in addiction or actually physically captive out here in India. Release from darkness for the prisoners. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Comfort all who mourn. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Oil of joy instead of mourning. Praise instead of a spirit of despair. And for me, that really sums up justice. Where there's injustice, people lose hope. And they despair. And they feel powerless. And they feel oppressed. And to see the kingdom come in, we, as people who love Jesus want to be more like Jesus. We want to do simply what Jesus did. And my favorite part, 
if I just, oh, just further down that in verse eight, for I, the Lord, love justice. I mean, how much more can, can they be telling us here? I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. If the Lord loves it, if you skip over to the New Testament over in Matthew, you know, then Jesus reads out from the Old Testament exactly what I've been reading to you. He's passionate. It's the first thing he stands up publicly and says, this is what you are anointed to do. This is what I'm anointed to do. Jesus and us anointed to do this, to bring in the kingdom on earth. And then if I just skip back to Isaiah 58. Oh, just before I get there, Isaiah 60. I love Isaiah. If you've never read Isaiah, read it. Isaiah 60, right at the start. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. Darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over the peoples. Let me just do that again. Darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over the people. For the Lord rises upon you. I flick up to verse 4. Lift up your eyes and look about you. People, people say to me, it's like, where do I go? There's injustice everywhere. It's like, lift up your eyes and look about you. Where are you? Open your eyes, listen with your ears and ask God. I'll just read this bit from 58. It's my favorite of the whole Bible. It's talking about fasting and the people um, under the law were very public about, you know, wearing sackcloth and being very public. I'm fasting and I'm, you know, like this. And, you know, God didn't really care for it like that. And it says, this, is, this, is this what you call a fast acceptable to the Lord? But is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry, provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Your own flesh and blood does not mean family. It means humankind, whoever that is, whether they are of the same faith, whether they are of the same color, whether they are fleeing from a country like Ukraine, whether or wherever Syria, whether they look like you, whether we have the same tone color skin. I wish I had his skin. He's very beautiful. Whatever that looks like, you know, it, it it's really clear what the Lord is calling to do. There is darkness covering the earth. We want to put things right. And for me, that really just sums up justice. And um, so that's from the Bible. But in reality, you know, people often say, I think in India, we are surrounded very visibly by injustice. So, you know, this little boy, he was intentionally starved. He, uh, when he came to us, he was unconscious. And he was um, the size of a premature baby, aged two and a half. Um, he's had so much trauma to him that everything clotted off and his brain has actually fully disappeared apart from the base of his brain. So to see justice come in him, he needed shelter. He needed food and he can't eat by mouth. So I had to take him to the hospital to have a little operation and put food into his tummy through a tube. He needs a mummy. He needs love. He needs people just to care for him. And you're so beautiful. And when he smiles and laughs, he's the biggest joy giver. I don't know how long we will have him for, but there has been uh, transformation and restoration. And what was done wrongly to him is being put right. And when he goes to heaven, he will laugh and dance and worship before the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? So, you know, I think 
Um, so it's very obvious in front of us. In fact, every one of my eight children has got a similar story. So, but you're back in the UK, it, it feels different. It feels like your, your nation was built on um, Christian values. So there is a justice system, which maybe we're missing out here. And there's policemen that largely you can trust. There's courts, largely you can trust. There's social services, even though they're mega stretched. There's doctors who would want to do the right thing. There's nurses that would care for children. Um, and so some, you know, a lot of that we don't have. So that's where we're stepping in because God called us to India. So, but what does it look like for you? And um, a lot of people ask me that because not everybody is called to India, but maybe some of you are. Maybe some of you are called out of Newcastle. Maybe some of you are called farther because the majority of the hurting world is actually outside the UK. Just want to put that little bomb down there. Uh, but what does it look like if God has called you to stay in Newcastle? You know, what does it say in the Bible? It says, lift up your head and open your eyes. So pray. Start praying into some of the situations that you are seeing. And what starts to break your heart and makes you cry is what God, it has broken God's heart and he places that in us. I think every calling starts with a broken heart. You know, I remember I was broken over injury and crying tears and it was like, oh, I might need to be part of the response of what God has shown me. And so pray and then listen to where God is saying, you can't go to every part of injustice. And then what did it say, Micah? Act. Don't just, don't just pray, but do pray. Pray is at the beginning and throughout, but then act. What can you do? You know, um, yesterday I had seven children and then our doors opened unexpectedly and child number eight came in um, after a gang rape when she was 12. I couldn't shut my door even though we're stretched. She's now 13, the age of my other daughter. We opened our doors. Can you open your doors uh, for those who are fleeing from Ukraine right on your doorstep? It's uncomfortable. Maybe some of your kids might need to share an extra room. Maybe uh, you're worried about the expense of feeding them. Uh, there's all these but, 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 but if your heart's broken over it, if you could put yourself in the position of I'm fleeing, maybe that's what God is calling you to do. And everywhere you look, it could be your neighbor who's sitting alone, um, an elderly woman lost her husband, nobody comes to her and she just needs somebody to sit with her. It could be a teenager who's struggling because they're not being parented. And I honestly believe that the church is called to stand up for justice and fill in the gaps, not to rely on the systems and complain about the government that there's not enough money for social services and there's not enough money for the NHS. Do complain about that, that's an injustice. But that's me from having worked in the NHS. But you know, if that's not your calling, I think the church should fill in the gaps. I think the church is called to justice and we do it. Sometimes there's times you need to be um, forceful. You know, Jesus flipped the tables in the temple, but mostly we do it with love, with our words and with our actions. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. I couldn't believe that she said, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll talk to you. We, um, we pray for her and for the bigger picture most Monday mornings in the prayer meeting that we, people gather, seven o'clock, you're very welcome, every Monday morning. What a powerful testimony to see how justice is being worked out. Um, just 
really, really inspiring. And when I was thinking about justice, I thought of Mary. And then as I was reading um, that verse in Matthew and thinking about the prisoner and you came to visit me, of course, our lovely Beverly uh, came to mind. And I wonder, Beverly, if you want to come and share what you've prepared. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I said to Nicola I was going to cry, but I thought I would cry during this, not during that. How on earth do you follow that? That is amazing. Um, and I'm not going to talk about the stranger thing. I'm not going to talk about Ukraine other than just to echo what Mary said, because I think it is so incumbent on us as the church where Dave spoke last week about that statistic that said if one, if every church fostered one child, there'd be no kids left in foster care. I think that we should be very seriously considering signing up for Homes for Ukraine. Um, so I have signed up as a family, which feels like the most inconvenient, preposterous thing possibly to do to add to my burden. Um, but look at what Mary said with eight kids. Um, so yeah, Kate Hackett has done it as well. She's already matched with, uh, with the lady. Um, so if anybody else is thinking of doing it, we can, we can get together and support each other. I'm here to talk about the prisoner. Um, but I just want to compose myself for a minute. Um, oh, God. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So most of you know that uh, with Joe and with others, um, I run a charity called the Recruitment Junction. We find jobs for people who have been in prison who have a criminal conviction. Um, we're a Christian charity and we pray daily for the men and women that God is sending us and for their families. And um, it echoes in a different way, I think, what Mary said. I strongly feel on each of us, and I speak for myself, but on each of us, that we have a situational anointing. We have a positional anointing. Where you are is where God has positioned you to act and to pray and to act and to pray and to love mercy, do justly and walk with your God. And that God has positioned me in Newcastle when we came up from London seven or eight years ago, didn't want to come, agonizing over it. And great comfort at that time in the verse from Jeremiah where he says, seek after the welfare of the city for which I have called you into exile. It felt like an absolute exile to the northeast. Um, seek after the welfare of the city and pray for it and pray for its welfare and pray for its prosperity. Of course, prosperity. Uh, now, what I'm doing is, is pulling people out of poverty and putting them into work. Um, and that verse is, has just become very poignant again as we pray daily for the welfare. The shalom is the word in the Bible, the peace and the shalom. And the, it's an enormous word, God's best and God's blessing for this city. I believe that there is a generational impact through the work that we're doing that it is not just, I believe this so passionately and this is the bit that makes me cry each time that what God is doing through lifting families out of poverty, putting the father and the mother into paid work and off generations often of being on benefit and fiddling and stealing and thieving and everything else uh, but not working legitimately is he is speaking a different word over those generations. And we believe that the work that we are doing in Newcastle, in the Northeast, in Northumberland, is going to impact our region 
statistically for the better, that we are going to see less crime, less victims of crime, but we're going to see families impacted through that sense of purpose and unearthing potential. At the moment, 65% of boys who have a father in prison will end up in prison themselves that parent-to-prison pipeline, which is horrendous. And that's not God's word over our region. God has a better word. And so as we see reoffending reduced by somebody getting a job, what we're seeing is um, children following a different path. And it's a verse from Psalm 102 that really struck me at the very beginning. It was Tom who preached on it years ago at Sam uh, in Jesmond. Um, where it says, let this be written for a future generation that are people not yet created, so it's even the unborn children of the families that we're working with, that are people not yet created may praise the Lord. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high, from heaven he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. And then it goes on a bit, and then it says... The children of your people will live in security and their children's children will thrive in your presence. And that that's the promise of God over what we're doing. And we strongly believe, and I speak it out prophetically and I speak it out into our region, that um, people are going to be saved in the natural, they're going to be saved spiritually, uh, and families are going to be less affected and less pursuing a life of crime and they're going to pursue a life of peace and of godliness and of prosperity and of shalom Um, yeah and for me personally it was a real wrestle and a real struggle to come into this work not to come into this work I had been uh, working with Carmen for a while uh, in prison ministry at Junction 42 but to leave was a very hard thing to do and was it right to leave and was it right to leave now and um, yeah there was just a, a particular word spoken over me Uh, by a guy from the Glasgow Prophets who said, um, what you've been wrestling with God about, like Moses saying, I'm not good enough, God's been ignoring your arguments these past two years. (laughs) I loved that. Um, And I I just say this, it sounds, I'm not saying it to be arrogant, I really hope it doesn't sound arrogant. He said, um, God says, I have a gift of communication, I have a gift of leadership, I am a prophetic voice, and that God is giving me is giving us, and this is for Joe as well, is giving us a discernment to cut off entanglements and trauma and confusion and sin. And as we pray for the people daily at work and as we speak life over them in the meetings that we have with them and say that you're not, you don't amount to nothing. It's not true you're never going to get a job. It's not true that you're always going to be a failure. It's not true that you're never going to have a restored relationship with your estranged kids. It's not true that you're always going to suffer from depression. It's not true that you're always going to self-harm. It's not true that you're always going to be plagued by suicidal thoughts. Um, That that is breaking off curse and that that is uh, through the word of God and through the power of God and through the spirit of God that lives in us uh, is changing lives Um, and he said these are not days to hold back Beverly but these are days to stand tall with your shoulders back and to bring God's word because people have need of what God has put in you and so I leave you with a story of Gavin because it's so cool Yeah, so Gavin came to us a year ago in a very dark place. He had been struggling with 
um, alcoholism, which he wouldn't accept to be the case. He'd committed a horrible crime whilst drunk uh, and had devastated his life, his family, his relationship, everything. Uh, and didn't believe he was ever going to be anything more than somebody had told him you should work in a warehouse where people won't know who you are, they won't know what you did, you can be behind the scenes. And he, and he said, you know, I've applied for 60 warehouse jobs and nobody's given me a job. I said, well, you're not a warehouse man, are you? And do, do you want to do it? No, I would hate it, but... I think that's what I have to do. And I said, well, I don't think that's true. I think you can get a better job than that. Anyway, we got him a job. So that was, he was absolutely astounded and it was brilliant. But um, it was May last year. I was away for half term in Wales. You guys were having a picnic. Um, and he phoned me up Snowden to say he was going to kill himself. Uh, and it, it was horrendous. Um, and Joe and... Anne phoned the mental health crisis team and they dispatched a team around there and Anne talked him down on the phone. And anyway, he didn't kill himself. Um, and that was very good. And he got into proper recovery and uh, faced up to his alcoholism and got sober and is still sober. And he came with his sister to the, <laughs> the barbecue we had out here in August last year when uh, the heavens kept opening in the middle of it and Mike was cooking and then it was chucking it down and then we were running in here and then we were running back. Um, and Adam was amazing and welcomed him. And Adam, you are an encourager of men and it was amazing how you just shepherded him and it had been the first time for you been back in church for a while and you were just fantastic. And that was a very key moment. Um, anyway, and then he's just gone on and we haven't heard so much for him. And then I got this email last Friday, which was probably about my worst Friday of my worst month of my worst part of this exhausting 18 months. So it couldn't have been better. Hi, Beverly. I thought I'd check in with you to let you know how things have been going. I'm still happily working at blah, blah. Uh, we're now open for breakfast from 7.30, so plenty of hours and lots to keep us busy. I never would have thought of myself in this position this time last year. And had it not been for you amazing lot, who knows where I'd have ended up. Because now I'm making the most of what I have. And I'm being happy with my lot, smiley face, and I still have a lot. I've also found myself a lovely, loving girlfriend too, which I thought was never going to be a possibility. Yes, you were right, Beverly. And I heard a song today that made me think of all you guys and inspired me to get in touch and let you all know that your efforts for me will never be forgotten and I will always be grateful for you helping me get my second chance. So anyway, God is good. God is good all the time. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Justice, that acting, that moving, that doing of justice, uh, inspired and propelled by the love of God. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I have one more, but I just thought, um, the other day, uh, my youngest daughter is 13, so too old for bedtime stories, but being the mum I am, I bought her a book at Christmas. It says, 10 Girls Who Changed the World. And um, they're all Christian women. And we were reading the other night the story of Jackie Pullinger. And as a small girl at Sunday school, God spoke to her about the mission field. And she thought of a, a big green field, you know, didn't know what that meant, but God was already speaking. And I, I and just reading her story, uh, you just see how God speaks and what Mary said about what, what God breaks your heart for, what God shows you. Pray about it, listen to him, and then act. And uh, Jeff has done a short video. As a church, we we love, we, when God called us to plant the church, he spoke to us about restoration and about 
justice and putting things right. And over the years, that's looked different ways. And a project that started more recently is called Grass Boots, which Jeff is going to tell you about now. And I just found it fascinating how God had stirred him to imagine what could be to put things right. So here is Jeff. Throughout his time on earth, Jesus helped many people get back on their feet, whether that was through physical healing, challenging people, encouraging people, feeding people, or just simply pointing people in the right direction. Jesus wanted to help people get back on their feet and find their purpose. And today we are called to be Jesus' hands and feet in the places where we live and work and in the communities that we serve. And there are many verses about feet in the Bible and um, there's one particular that I really like and that is Isaiah 52 and it says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bring good news. And Grass Boots, this is where we are in Grass Boots today. Grass Boots is a project that is all about bringing good news through shoes and helping people to get back on their feet. During the first wave of the pandemic, we were out delivering food parcels to people and I went to visit a particular family and it was a lady who had four children. She was on her own. She'd just come out of hospital. She was really, really struggling. And she said to me, um, she was so blessed by the food parcel, but she just said, this week is a choice between putting food on the table or putting shoes on my children's feet. And she said she had two children who were standing next to her who didn't have the shoes to be able to go outside because she didn't have the money to buy them. And that really sparked something in me. And that really stirred something in my heart to help me um, begin the process of starting up the Grass Boots Project at Life in Your Church. Just one pair of shoes, one pair of shoes can make such a difference to someone's life. It might help someone feel encouraged. It might help someone just feel like they are ready to stand up and walk forward into what God has for them. And poverty can be such a barrier to so many families in our region. And support in this way, just with a simple pair of shoes or an item of clothing, might help someone go for a job interview and find a job, improve their physical or mental health, be able to participate in an activity um, or um, a game or a sport that they have um, been excluded from in the past. It might mean that a child can go to school with their head held high because their shoes aren't falling apart and they won't get bullied because of that. It might mean that someone is able to physically step into something new and exciting in their lives. And Ephesians 2.10 says this in the Bible, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them and we have helped many people over the past two years we've given out over 200 shoes in the last year um, and that is been such a blessing to so many people we've met people who have literally had no shoes no one in their family has had shoes they've come from um, they've come to seek asylum in our country or they've escaped the violent home and they have come with absolutely nothing and we have been able to clothe them and put shoes on their feet 
And then we've had people who just needed our help because they didn't have the money to be able to put shoes on their kids' feet or take them to school with shoes that were decent enough to do that or for someone um, who just wanted to um, play a particular sport but couldn't afford to do it because the price of shoes was such a barrier, the price of football boots and equipment was such a barrier. And we are called as God's people to help those who are less fortunate than ourselves and help them to find their feet. And when we do that, we are responding and serving the living Jesus, the one who we love and the one who we adore. And this is our, an outpouring of our act of service as we recognise that there are people around us who just need that little bit of help and support. So thank you for what you do with Grass Boots. Please keep supporting it and please be encouraged to step out and help others who need it when you see them. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jeff. There's a round of applause rippling. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. It is fantastic. And we are, we are so grateful that God has established us uh, as a church and that our, our heart is the heart after God's heart to, to put things right, to seek justice. And we're going to move into a time of um, worship now. Um, and we, always, we love to worship as a response. I mean, we've all heard so much from those three people from far away to right here on our doorstep. And we all have that, um, that call, as Jeff said, to, to be those people who bring, who are bringers. We all... Um, yeah, we're all made to do that, to seek justice and to act justly. But we only can do that from a place of an overflow of God's work, of God's presence in us. And so we're going to spend some time just reflecting on what we've heard, but lifting our eyes up, looking to God. And um, yeah, I, I just know that things that have been said there have inspired some of you to maybe think about your neighbour and think about justice to think about a cause that's far away, maybe in a different nation, that stirs your heart, that breaks your heart. And I just believe as we worship now that all across the room and those watching at home, that God will be breaking our heart for things. Everyone who's spoken today has just described that sort of time of, oh, there's something that needs to change and God begins to break our hearts. So we just want to say, come Holy Spirit. Would you come, would you break our hearts for what breaks yours as we look to you, as we look to you, the King of Kings, whose kingdom uh, knows no end, whose kingdom is full of power and grace and love, whose kingdom is perfect. Lord, would we look to you this morning and see where things around us need to be restored, where we can be those feet that bring the good news. Would you help us to see and then help us to act, help us to go in your name. So yeah, as we just stand to worship now, we say, come Holy Spirit, help us to worship you now. Help us to worship the Father and the Son. Come have your way. We say your kingdom come and your will be done in every single one of our lives today. <laughs> 